I want you to turn to 1 John chapter number 1. And uh, I already preached out of chapter number 3. I, I like that so good, I couldn't wait. But I want to go back and preach today out of chapter 1. And Lord willing, for the next several weeks, we're going to be preaching out of this little book. Remember, because John set where the others didn't set, and he served where the others didn't serve, and he stood where the others wouldn't stand, he got to see what the others didn't see. And we've been launching out, and what did John see? Man, God showed him great and wonderful truths. And we are working our way to the book of the Revelation. Or seven times he said, I saw, I saw, I saw. And I'm glad what he saw is worth seeing. I hope I got all my C's and saws correct. But what he saw was worth seeing. But I felt like we could not overlook this little epistle, five-chapter book of First John. Because even here he saw some wonderful, wonderful truths about the Christian life. Now the Sunday we preached out of chapter number 3 where he said it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him. And the child of God has a wonderful future. But before he gets to that he takes these first two chapters and lays down a foundation that makes us set for our future. Notice I said this morning that the child of God has a wonderful future. Someone that is saved, they have a home in heaven, they have a glorified body. They're looking and longing for Jesus to come. But may I say this to you today very kindly, very humbly, that if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone, your future is not looking good. Because the judgment of God is going to fall on this world. And when Jesus comes, those that are lost will be left behind. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't know you're saved. Your future is not good. Your future, there's the judgment of God, the tribulation period, the great white throne judgment. And the reason why that we rejoice in our future as saved people is because we're ready for it. And how does somebody get ready for the future? They prepare in the present. Well, how do they prepare in the present for the future? They get right with the Lord. And they trust the Lord. And they get saved. And they give God their life. And they give God their heart. And they do more than just observe religious activities. They do more than practice some religious dogma. They enter into a relationship with God. God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, produces fellowship. That we know the Lord and the Lord knows us. If going to church was just showing up, doing some do's and don'ts, you know, most everybody could get in on that. But ladies and gentlemen, being a Christian is way beyond going to church. It's, uh, it, it goes beyond reading your Bible. It, it goes beyond just claiming the name of Christ. It, it is a relationship that produces fellowship that we can really say, 
Man, I know God. And God knows me. And I walk with God. And I talk with God. And God walks and talks with me. I'm glad there's more than being saved and being a Baptist. And somebody asked Mage Jackson one time, said, are you a Baptist? He said, I am. They said, are you like that other bunch? He said, what do you mean? She said, they think they're the only ones going to heaven. He said, no, ma'am, I'm worse than that. I don't think half of them are probably going. I'm telling you, being saved, being a Christian is knowing the Lord and growing in the Lord. And John lays down the foundation of our faith. And I believe he deals with something in chapter number one that I believe if we get a hold of this, it'll change our life. And I call it the joy of true fellowship. The joy of true fellowship. Notice what he said in chapter one, verse number three. That which we have seen and declared we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. Watch this now. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. Isn't it amazing that he wrote about full joy after he established that we have fellowship with God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to talk about our fellowship. Look in verse number 7. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now you say, preacher, how can we mess that up? Well, look in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, and by the way, some of the greatest Christians you'll ever meet are those who try to convince you they don't ever do anything wrong. Can I get a witness right there? But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's bad to be deceived by sin. And it's bad to be deceived by religion. It's bad to be deceived by the world. And it's bad to be deceived by the devil. But when you are so self-righteous, you deceive yourself. That's a whole other level of deception. We deceive ourselves. And he said in verse 8, And the truth is not in us. But how do we fix it? I love verse 9. If we confess our sins. Man, look at these next three words. He is faithful. If that was the only three words in the verse, that shouting ground, if we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful. And just for you don't think it can get any better, He adds this, and just. Now what is He faithful and righteous and just enough to do? Look at verse 9. To forgive us of our sins. And if that was all that was there, that would be enough. But it gets even better. Not just to forgive us of our sins and to do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
And once again, lest we get too big for our britches, he wants to emphasize this again. And if we say we have not sinned, and this is powerful here, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You say, preacher, what do you get from them verses? Number one, God fellowships with them perfect people. You say, how do you know that? Because I am one. And I think I'm looking at several hundred that's in the same boat that I'm in. I'm glad God loves imperfect people. I'm glad he fellowships with imperfect people. Because the basis of my fellowship is not on my perfection or imperfection. My fellowship is based in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is just, who is faithful, who is perfect. And I want to give you some things out of this passage about our true fellowship and the joy that it brings. Number one in the text, I want you to see the measure of our fellowship. He describes our fellowship in this text in a twofold measure. He says there is an upward fellowship and there is an outward fellowship. There is a vertical fellowship and there is a horizontal relationship. Yes, he does say that we have fellowship one with another this way. But he reminds us that if we're going to have fellowship one with another this way, we first have to have fellowship with God that way. There's no way we can be right with our fellow man and be wrong with God. Can I say that again? There is no way you can be right with your fellow man and be wrong with God. And on the other hand, there's no way you can be uh, wrong with God and be right with your fellow man. Our fellowship is an upward fellowship and it is an outward fellowship. John says we fellowship this way. And I want to say something about that. In the fellowship, one with another, a blessed and a wonderful thing. I, I feel sorry for people that live in a cocoon. I feel sorry for people that live in this little world, them and maybe one or two more. You are setting yourself up for a miserable, lonely experience. God did not save us to isolate us. He has given us the benefit of the fellowship of the saints of God. You said, I don't like people. That's the dumbest thing you've ever said in your life. Because when you say you don't love people, you don't love God. Because who does God love? God loves people. 
You say, well, people get on my nerves. What do you think we do to God? Think about this. The people that get on your nerves, you're imperfect and they are imperfect. But God is perfect and all of us are imperfect. I'm sure we wear him out. But how many of you are glad he still loves us? He still cares for us. I wonder if we got anybody here today. You're glad that God looks beyond your fault and loves you anyhow. We love that song. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. Anybody here, God's bigger than your hang up. He's bigger than your fault. He's bigger than your trouble. And if God can look beyond our faults and see our needs and love us in spite of our imperfections, how come we can't love others and look beyond their faults and see their needs and love them in spite of their imperfections? The only way you will be able to do that Because there's nothing fleshly or carnal that gives you the desire nor the ability to do that. The only way you can do that is maintain your relationship with God who has shown mercy upon you, who has forgiven you, who has entered into a relationship with you. God is the only one as we fellowship with him gives us the ability to fellowship one with another. I'm glad for the measure of our fellowship. John said our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. But he said it goes more than just vertical. It reaches out to one another. And our fellowship, not my fellowship, but our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. As we fellowship with God this way, He gives us the ability to fellowship one with another this way. And I'm telling you, if you're wrong that way, you're going to be wrong this way. And if you are wrong this way, you're not going to get right that way till you get right this way. Now, that's what the Bible teaches about the measure of our fellowship. You say, but I don't understand how God, who is sovereign, perfect, holy, undefiled, could ever enter into any kind of ship, whether it's partnership, relationship, Kinship, relationship, fellowship, workmanship. How in the world can a thrice holy God climb in a ship with somebody like us? Well, he tells you the basis and the foundation in verse number 7. Notice what he said in verse number 7. As if we walk in the light, as he is in the light. What in the world does that mean? If we walk in the light as he is in the light. It simply means if we are living a life of obedience 
to the revealed word of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life. And by the way, God would not write the Bible and send the Holy Spirit and have you and I depart from that. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, in other words, if we'll walk where God's walking, live where God's living, believe in what God says, doing what God says, a life of obedience, that is the beginning and the basis of our fellowship. But you say, I don't understand how imperfect people and unholy people can even walk in the light and even get near to obedience to God. Well, he gives you the power, the ability, the secret in the last part of verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Here it is now. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us. From all sin. Brother Tom, your brother Shane come, and I'm gonna let one be darkness and one be light. I'm gonna let one be good and one be bad. I'm gonna let one be sweet and one just be ugly. I'm gonna let one go to heaven and the other one gotta go to purgatory. But and we don't believe in that. Stand right here. And stand right here. Brother Tom, I hate to do this to you, but you're dark. You're darkness. Wait till you find out what you are tonight. You won't laugh. Tom, you're, you're dark. You're, you're in the dark. You're everything against God. You don't believe God. You don't believe the Bible. You're going to live your own life. You are determined to do your own thing. Now, now you're light, and, and you're good, and you're truth, and you're fine. And you're proud. No, I'm just kidding. And, and, and you're going to heaven. And you're, you're living like God wants you to live. So you're both walking down this road. One's a road of obedience. One's a road of disobedience. One road is a road of light. One road's a road of darkness. One's in the spirit. One's in the flesh. One produces peace, love, joy, long-suffering. The other produces malice, envy, hate. Anything that you want me to mention, he's guilty of while I'm here. And laziness. And eventually this road eventually will lead to the city of the living God. Because you have the way, the truth, and the life. And inevitably that this road will lead to the pits of hell. Because broad is the way that leads to destruction. So these two boys are on this course. One's in light and one's in darkness. And there's nothing about this man that can get him to come over here. Because he was conceived in darkness, he was born in darkness, he's conceived in sin, and he's born in sin. The only thing he knows is the father, the flesh, the world, and the devil. But see, this person here, they have been born again. They have been saved. They have trusted Christ as their Savior. They have entered into a kinship, a relationship, a partnership, a workmanship, a fellowship. He is God in the old gospel ship. And that ship, it's taking him to heaven. And it's a a light path. It's a true path. It's a righteous path. There is no way they can cross the line. The chasm is too wide. But here is where Jesus steps in and his cleansing blood steps in. Now, are you tired of the darkness? Are you tired of the sin? Are you tired of the guilt? 
Are you tired of the condemnation? Well, let me tell you what I can do. I have the power because I went to the cross and I paid the ultimate price and I shed precious, holy, perfect blood. So I literally have the ability to take you out of this world of darkness, off this path of disobedience, off of this path of unrighteousness. I put you over here. Now they walk hand in hand, side by side, going in the same direction because what he could not do for himself, I put him there. Uh, by the way, you didn't wake up one morning and say, well, what do you know? I'm going to step over there in the truth. Why, what do you know? I'm going to turn over a new leaf and, and I'm going to step over the line and walk a life of obedience. No, that didn't happen to you at all. Righteousness is here. Unrighteousness is way over here. But a man named Jesus came into your world. Hallelujah. Stepped into your world and on his mercy, on his grace, on his merits, picked you up. Put you over here. Now these two are fellowshipping together. And I'm in the midst of it. Because I'm the one that's leading the pack. You say, what's wrong with some of my loved ones? I don't have anything in common with them. After I got saved, you know why? They're in one world and you're in another. They're on one road and you're on another. They're on one path and you're on another. And blessed be the day when a person trusts Jesus Christ for their salvation and their righteousness and God picks them out of their world, places him in their world and so now not only are we right this way but we're right this way. We can fellowship one with another because our fellowship collectively and individually is connected to God through the Father, through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood got it all. Wow. Well, this one can't say, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, going, to get, I'm, I'm going to be a Baptist and that'll get me on that side. I'm going to go join the church of God and get on that side. I'm going to join the Salvation Army or the Masons and I'm going to get on that side. I'm going to join Harvest Baptist Tabernacle. You can be further from the, than you've ever been. Well, I'll quit lying. I'll quit smoking. I'll quit cheating. I, I'll turn over a new leaf. And all of that is good but that's not going to get you from this side to the other side. But this one prayer will. God, I'm an unworthy lost sinner, but I trust right now your cleansing blood from the cross to forgive me and to cleanse me and to help me. And through the propitiation of the blood of Christ, and the power of the blood of Christ and the authority of the blood of Christ. He picks you out of this world, puts you in this world, and we fellowship together and we fellowship with him, not because of religious dogma, but because of the power of the blood that establishes a relationship with God that produces fellowship with God. That is the measure of our fellowship. I'm glad I can know Him. I'm glad I can walk with God. I'm glad I can feel the breath and the power of God upon my life. The joy of sins forgiven. 
The joy that you passed is erased. The joy that every sin you even thought about committing was plunged beneath the crimson flood. And he lives in your heart today. And he walks with you today. And you got a little heaven to go to heaven in. And then to top all of that, there is a home in heaven forever and ever. You're not going to hell. The, no wonder he said that your joy may be full. What more joyous experience can a person have to know? That their past has been erased. Their sins have been forgiven. They have a relationship that produces fellowship. And the reason why we got fellowship and workmanship and partnership and kinship. It's because we in the right ship with the right captain. And his name is Jesus. And I'm glad for our fellowship. And let me say thanks fellas. And we'll say today, if you don't know the Lord, get to know him. He's worth knowing because he deals with the measure, the measure of our fellowship. Our fellowship is this way. Isn't it good to fellowship with the king? But our fellowship is this way. We have more than relationship with God. We have one with each other. Now, if that was all that was in the text, sometimes we wouldn't know how to enjoy it. But he comes down to verse number 8 and verse number 9. You say, preacher, can we mess that up? I wish I could say, no, we can't mess that up. But according to the text, we can get that all fouled up. Not only does he deal with a measure of our fellowship. Look in verse 89. I love this. He deals with the marring of our fellowship. We can mar our fellowship. Now notice there is a difference in the Bible between relationship and fellowship. You see, there'll be no fellowship if there's not relationship. But if you don't determine the difference between a relationship and fellowship, you'll never live on the victory side. Let me ask you this. How many of you remember growing up? In mom and daddy's house, and you're old enough to have a mom and daddy that had rules, boundaries, regulations. I feel sorry for children that's never been told no. Somebody said to me today, I just, I just can't tell them no. My mother, my father had no problem saying it, spelling it with emphasis. And you didn't even ask for an explanation. I'll just tell you right now, I don't believe in warping their personalities. My daddy warped something else I had, but it wasn't my personality. I'm glad there were some restraints. Now, July the 22nd, 1962, by birth and blood and water and pain and suffering, my mother birthed me into this world. And from that day forward, I am related to J.B., And Janet Arthur, related. But I promise you, when I was being dealt with, we'll say that today in case one of the entire spankers is among us. But while I was being dealt with, anybody here ever been dealt with? And you knew you were being dealt with? And then when it was over, you knew you had been dealt with? 
and it made such a lasting impression you didn't want to be dealt with again. I promise you when I was being dealt with, we wasn't having a lot of good fellowship. Ha! Woo! Lay it on me, Daddy. I deserve it. If you're here today and you tell me that when you were being dealt with, if you looked at your dad or your mama one and said, let on me, I deserve it. You're the biggest liar since politicians. How many here didn't deserve one licking you got? Get your hands up. You know you didn't feel like you do. Man, when my mama and dad, I'm like, hallelujah, mama. Wear it out one more time. I hate fly swatters to this day. They were made to kill flies with. But my mama thought they were made for something else. My my daddy had this like, he'd take his belt off and he wants you to see him take it off. And I mean, when you weigh 260 pounds, you got a pretty good size belt on you. I got a picture somewhere of me and Billy Kelly when I was 18 years old. I'm helping him get ready and I lift up his belt and, and I'm holding it like this and it's still touching the floor. You see, he was real tall. He wasn't real tall. He was just real round. But I daddy pull that belt out. I did, okay, I'm enjoying. We were not in fellowship. How many had a daddy that would do this? Now, before he'd pull the belt and deal with you, talk to you. I hated that worse than the belt deal. My daddy would look at you with them old dreamy blue eyes, tears in the corner. That bottom lip would go to quivering. Gus, I didn't understand this before I was a daddy. And you knotheads ain't going to understand it either to your daddy. Now, son, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I wasn't brave enough to say it, but I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm not in fellowship, but daddy always reminded me, I'm still your daddy. You're still my son. I love you. I got your best interest in mind. He'd always say this. You can do better than that. You're not a heathen. Your mama's not a heathen. Your daddy's not a heathen. You can do more than that. You can do better than that. I got your best interest in mind. He always loved me. We were always related, but we were not always in fellowship. Man, that Thursday night in 1979 in Reedsville, North Carolina, about 935 when I said yes to Jesus and I was born again and the Holy Ghost baptized me into the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus washed my sins away. I'm a child of God. God is my father and I'm his child and we are related by the birth and the power of the Holy Spirit. But... It says in this text, sin, that enemy that is in us, that enemy that is around us, that enemy that is beneath us, I've often called it an internal foe, an external foe, and an infernal foe. You know what sin is? It is a struggle within us. 
It is a snare about us. And it is Satan and the serpent beneath us. And when we falter, when we fail, when we cease to live up to the standards of God, we mar that fellowship. But I'm glad it is an end with marred fellowship. I'm glad the story doesn't end with you and I messing up what God has given us. Because he not only deals with the measure of our fellowship and the marring of our fellowship, but I'm glad he ended it with the mending of our fellowship. It doesn't have to stay marred. It doesn't have to stay messed up. You don't have to stay out of the will of God. You don't have to stay outside of the sunshine of God's blessings. There is a way back. I need to say that again. There is a way back. You say, well, how do I get back to that place of fellowship with God and fellowship with my fellow man? How do I get back what I've let sin mar in my life? The same one that got you in is the same one that'll take you back. Because he said in verse number 9, the mending of our fellowship, if we confess, Our sins. By the way, he didn't say sin. He said sins. That means it's more than one. We got a bunch of stuff we're dealing with. But if we confess our sins. He. Who is the he? The he in verse 9 is the light in the blood of verse 7. The same he in verse 9 is the same he in verse number 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin, well, the same He in verse 7 is the same He in verse number 9. If we confess our sins, He, same one. He, same one. In fact, in verse number 3, the He is the eternal Word of God. In verse 4, the He is the joy of our salvation. In verse number 5, the He is the witness of God Almighty. The He in verse 7 is the blood and the way and the truth and the light. And the same He in verse number 9 is the one that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I need my two witnesses to come back. So we've got this boy in the light. We finally got this man out of darkness in the light. But oh, he's got a problem. He's got a problem. He's not in heaven yet. He doesn't have a glorified body yet. And so that's this little sneaky thing called sin. No, Daniel, I'm not talking about Landon. I'm talking about you. So there is this one that's the enemy that will come and try to lure him away and take away what God has put in him. But he doesn't want that. So what does he do? He cries for help. And he confesses, I need it. And the same one that in verse 7 stepped into his world and got him in, 
the light and the blood is the same one that steps in again. You say, why will he do that again? Because he's faithful. Well, Brother Joe, I would pray, but I don't want to wear God out. You won't. He's faithful. I know, but he's helped me so many times before. I know, he's faithful. But he never gave up on me. He's faithful. He don't seem to get tired of me. He's faithful. You mean he's still holding my hand? Yeah, boy. I'm still in his heart? Yes. He still cares about me? Yes. He is faithful. You say, but Brother Joe, nobody else is that kind of faithful. I'm glad we understand that from day one. There ain't nobody like him. He is faithful. But he's not just faithful. He's just. Now, if he was as wicked as him and as low down as him and as sorry as him and unfaithful as him, they both would be in the Dutch. But he is not only faithful to go to his rescue, he is good enough. He is holy enough. He is perfect. Hallelujah. Because he is everything he's not. He has the ability and the just and the perfection and the authority and the faithfulness to step into his world and to forgive him. Forgive him. Remove him from the enemy. Remove him from the punishment. Lord God, I'm running out of time. Let me do a quick word study. The etymology of the word forgive. Think about it. Say with forgive. Say with forgive. Forgive. Say that word real quick. Forgive. You know what literally the word forgive? It means given for. Say that with me. Forgive. Forgive. Say that with me. Forgive. Given for. Given for. Before you are forgiven, something is given for. Hallelujah. And you know how I know God's forgiven me? Somebody was given for. And that somebody was Jesus Christ. God gave him for me. God gave him for us. God gave him for you. And because he was given for, I have been forgiven. Lord, that ought to make a Baptist shout. And I don't have the ability to forgive him, remove him, deliver him, save him from that punishment. But when you don't think he can get any better, in verse 9, he said, it's faithful, just, to forgive us of our sin. And then on top of that, cleanse him. Cleanse us. The enemy that will destroy this man has had such a grip on him. He has left his marks, his scars, his handprints. He has dirtied him with his rebellion. He has dirtied him with his stains. He has affected his mind and his heart and his life. And I think it's awful. Awful that all of us have to bear the DNA of the world and the flesh and the devil. But on the other hand, I think it is awesome 
that my Savior is not only faithful and perfect and holy and just and right enough to remove him from the enemy and remove him from that punishment. But once the enemy and the punishment has been removed, he has some more just and he has some more faithful not just to remove him from the enemy and remove him from the, from the uh, 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 bad guy and the punishment and the enemy, but he has the ability to come and clean off where he touched him and clean off where he messed with him and clean off where he scarred him and cleansed his heart and cleansed his mind. I want to tell you, God did more than forgive you punishment. God did more than remove you from the fires of hell. He cleansed you. He washed you. It's not even there. The devil's fingerprints are gone. And that's why we call it justified. That's why we call it justified. Because, brother, one that's faithful and just to forgive cleanses from all unrighteousness. Give my three helpers a hand, and Daniel, I'll make this up to you sometime. What'd you say? I love you, brother. Even though I made a devil out of you? Yeah, I love you. Has your wife ever called you that? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Gary, you got any sermons on the home? We may need some tonight. The measure of our fellowship. Isn't it wonderful? Everybody hold your hand up like this. Now point to somebody. The measure of our fellowship. The measure of our fellowship. The morning of our fellowship. Oh, aren't you glad for the mending of our fellowship? I've not always been faithful, but he has. And I'm glad even when we believe not, he abideth faithful. You say, Brother Joe, I would love to feel what I used to feel. I'd love to have what I used to have. Boy, I'd just love to. Woo! One more time. Well, it ain't my fault. And it's not his. Balls in your court if we confess our sins. He. He is faithful and just. Just like that prodigal's father was willing to welcome the prodigal home. God welcomes all of us today through the merits of the blood and the cross of his son. Let's stand together. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for the good word of God.